Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, if you only knew the things that happened here behind behind the scenes, it is, <laughs> oh my goodness, if you only knew this, uh, this day, what was happening over here, you would get a good kick out of it. I'm not going to talk about it because I just don't, I don't want to. I do not want to. Good to be here today, my friends. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Thoughts, questions, feedback. Yes, of course. Adoration and praise always accepted at that email address. Or or I'd love to have you join our online community, conservative, not bitter community, which we are building and adding to on a regular basis, community.ToddHuffShow.com. You can see our show notes there. Um, you can listen to the podcast there. You can connect with other community members there. We're going to build this. And, uh, you know, it. one of the things I get asked most frequently is what can I do? And I think one of those things is just start where you where you are, right? Start, with you are, uh, start where you are with the things that you have. This is an opportunity to do that. Joining the community is absolutely free. You just got to create a login and uh, and get started, community.toddhuffshow.com. It will be, God willing, something that we um, invest a lot of time and effort in growing here in the uh, in this very near future. So, huh, this week we have we have um, gone through, I think, quite extensively. The issue of abortion. And as I was in the wake of this Dobbs decision that was handed down by the Supreme Court last week. And there's lots of reasons for that. I think that, A, it's important. I want people, I want people to to have the opportunity to hear the facts. And that's really what we've done. Until, Until yesterday, I didn't even inject a lot of opinion even though I do hope to persuade people towards constitutional conservative principles. I believe that they are firmly rooted in truth, and I believe people, individuals, and this nation would be much better off if we accepted those principles and truth um, and understood liberty and all this other stuff much better than we do as a group. And so, but I tried to keep, the direct opinions out of it for the most part until yesterday, which we went through and answered some, just some of the objections that I hear uh, raised by the left. So I at first didn't think we were going to do too much about this today, but I think we're going to continue to do this. I think there's too much there. I think it's too relevant, too important um, of an opportunity to pass up. So, I had mentioned yesterday, 
a couple of things that I think are important. Now, this is my opinion. Now, what you'll notice that I do on this program that you won't see most of the jokers in the media do is I'm saying this is, I'm not, first of all, I'm not a journalist. I'm someone who comes on here and tells you what I think. I try to persuade. We try to have some fun. We try to educate, entertain, and energize is really what we try to do and connect, right? And that's why I like to hear from you too because I like to hear what you're thinking as well. And I read the emails. I don't always have time to respond. As you could imagine, it can sometimes be a lot to manage. But I do read them. I Unless I've overlooked one, I read um, I read at least the vast majority of what I'm of what I'm getting and I try to read all of them but sometimes sometimes there's a lot anyhow um just a lot vying for my attention in general so I am doing something that the left doesn't do the media doesn't do I'm saying look I am now trying to persuade you this this is now a point in time where I'm trying to explain why I think about this the way that I do and why I think it's right. And I'm look, I don't have all the answers, folks. I leave that up to the leftists to make you think that they have it all figured out, that we just need some technocrat in charge and a bunch of people who are willing to do whatever some so-called expert tells us to do. By the way, that reminds me, I had this in the stack of stuff, I believe, yesterday. Um, economists. Radical leftist economist Krugman, Paul Krugman, had to take me a minute to get back, get to the name. But Paul Krugman has written a piece. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me at the moment, uh, but it was in yesterday's show notes. And he basically he admitted. He now this is the expert. This is Paul Krugman is for the radical left, effectively the, I mean the sage of economics. Of course he's. <laughs> woefully mistaken, way off the path of truth and anything that makes remote sense as it comes to economics and so forth. But they believe he is the sage that his economic principles and policies are exactly what we need more of. And a lot of it's just crazy, radical leftist nonsense. But if you read what he wrote recently, he actually admitted, he admitted, this is a rarity. Now, it's very common for experts to be wrong. It is just very uncommon, especially for those who think that they know everything, to admit that they don't. And so it's rare to have this moment, but Krugman ag- admitted that his <clears throat> that he under how, how did he say this? He basically understated or underestimated the risk of inflationary pressures due to government spending, which again, my friends, is precisely what causes inflation. Incidentally, if you, and maybe we'll do some of this stuff on our community at some point, do some more in-depth conversations or things that you can read and so forth and learn and grow, but one of the best economists, he's, he's passed away, but I would encourage you, If you've got time, if you're interested in this sort of thing, if you just want to learn more, look up an economist named Milton Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N, Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman is an economist that can communicate. Of course, he's, he's passed away, but you go back and look at some of his older YouTube. I think he's got a lot of things. They have things on of YouTube 
uh, videos of his on YouTube. He was on like Phil Donahue back in the day. He was he was out in pop culture trying to explain things to Americans, and so he's he had a knack for communicating much like your benevolent host of this program, but being able to communicate ideas and principles in ways that were digestible and understandable. See, what the left likes to do, and we'll get back to abortion, hang in there, but what the left likes to do on most issues is say, look, man, you you bunch of average, everyday hilljacks and, you know, just people in flyover country, <clears throat> again, leftist speaking, not me, they say, look... You, you're just way too simple. You don't understand how smart we are. What you need to do is just trust us. We'll go through and do all the hard work. We're the experts. You just listen. You blindly follow what we tell you. And when we try to explain it, it's just so complicated, you can't even begin to comprehend it. This is the approach of the left. And because of this attitude, they think that there's something, I mean, they think they're God's gift to humanity. And the reality is, the reality is, if you can't explain it to someone who doesn't understand it as well as you do, this is the general rule, and sometimes people just, you know, we have different levels of, of understanding. Maybe there's a point at which, you know, there's too big of a gap. Someone needs to learn some more basic things before they can have a conversation with the astrophysicist. I don't know, but in order to know your field well enough, you should be able to explain it to virtually anybody. This is this is a test to me. I have a friend. I have a friend, actually J Dot, for those of you that used to we may need, need to get J Dot back on here for some new three and threes. That was something we used to do on here that was kind of fun and entertaining. But J Dot, J Dot would say it like this. Put we uh, it's a skill to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. In fact, he says, he's told me that that's one of my gifts is putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, which basically means take the thing that people that we're trying to talk about or understand that we desire, the box of cookies and the analogy, and put it in a place that is accessible to everybody, right? To virtual as everybody. With you know certain exceptions, of course, there's always, you can't say 100%, but 99.99999% of people can get to it, right? And... That's how I look at it. That's why I have this talk show. That's why that's why shows like this connect to people. That's why shows like this people tune in because I don't come on here thinking that I'm lecturing anybody. I'm talking. I'm sharing. I'm trying to articulate, communicate, and that's why I welcome the feedback from you. That's the way it works in my head. They think they got the answer. They're smart. We're stupid. We can't comprehend their brilliance. We just need to shut up and get in line. And so, and all that being with all that being said, look up. If you've got time, look up Milton Friedman. Maybe we'll do some stuff like that on our online community as we continue to grow it. But but you'll learn more about economics, or even if you know it, it's just to hear him say it in the ways that he does, it just solidifies and and just makes those pathways in your mind and my mind clearer because of how he how he articulates it and it just makes it it makes it clearer it helps to clarify and to create clarity on an issue milton friedman is his name anyhow <clears throat> but this is not how 
the left looks at economics. And going back to the reference I was originally mentioning, Paul Krugman says, hey, you know, he made a mistake. And see, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. There's lots of problems. There's lots of problems with the radical leftist ideology. But one of the problems, one of the core problems is they think they're better. They, I'm just telling, they do. They think they're the committed radical leftist. I don't mean every liberal. I don't mean every Democrat. I differentiate, yeah, I differentiate between, the, between these people if I can spit it out there. Sometimes my tongue has a hard time keeping up on my brain when I'm saying, trying to say these things. But the, the people, um, the, the ideas, the ideas that the leftist has or the beliefs or really their emotions, the radical left, they just want you to believe blindly, let the experts figure it out, and we just say, yes, oh, yes, great ones, show us what to do next. And the, the problem is the experts are always wrong. I'm telling you they are always wrong, always. Now, not, I don't want you to think that I think novices have it right all the time either, but the point is is that the idea that says we're going to abdicate our responsibility to personally think for ourselves and hold our leaders accountable and then say, you know what, we're just going to listen to you blindly, it oftentimes leads exactly to the experts being wrong, as Krugman was, and he admitted. That's the part that's rare. Normally they don't admit it, but there's always a headline, experts are wrong. Mark my words, the experts that are predicting the sea level in 100 years or 50 years or whatever if we are being honest, if there's still such a thing as honest journalism at that point in time, there should be an article somewhere at that point in history that says experts wrong because they are not going to be correct. Of course, they like these predictions with something that's way off in the future because, hey, there's absolutely no chance of accountability for something they're telling us that's going to happen 100 years from now. Instead, it empowers them today with no risk. It empowers and rewards them today with no risk of actually facing consequences for being wrong. Anyway, Krugman admits that he's wrong. That's a big, big deal. Getting this back to the court, in a sense, the court admitted that it was wrong in the decision of Roe versus Wade back in 1973. Also a big, big deal. So one of the things I've referenced in this conversation about the court over the course of the past few days is this idea of precedent, precedent. So basically, if the court has made a decision on something, if the issue comes back up and the precedent, you know, another case comes to the court next year, five years, 20 years, whatever, they, they look at the case law, they look at the Constitution, they look at the decisions that the court has made in the past that pertain to the sorts of issues that in the case of Roe versus Wade, pertain to abortion, the right to choose, and um, really what it pertains to is whether or not there's a federal constitutional right to abortion. And so what, the, what they're upset about, they're upset about a lot of things. And if I dare, I'll get to it later in the program, but there's something I think at their core that's the most setting, the godless, the godless radical love, not everybody that's pro-choice, but the folks who are most vocal about this, the folks who are screaming at the universe and who think that, I mean, the, the really militant crazy ones. I think that there's something at the core of this that this exposes about who they are. Not everybody who's pro-choice, but a group of them. But um, 
really what Roe versus Wade simply did was say there's not, well, Roe versus Wade said there's a constitutional right to an abortion because of the 14th Amendment, the right to privacy. And it's a crazy, it doesn't even, it's it's illogical. And it's not the rule of the court. We've been through this in previous programs. But what the left wants to do is say, okay, that's precedent. They don't want to say it's good precedent or bad precedent. They just want to say, hey, the court's spoken. We shouldn't go back and review this. Should never come up again. And the court disagreed with that. And I say rightfully so. Now, you have to be careful with precedent. You don't want courts constantly... The court, really, it should be built, it's almost like laying bricks, right? But if, one time I was, I was having a, having a house built, and they made the foundation too big. And so what did that do? This has been years ago. That added to the cost of the entire house, because now the square footage was bigger. The foundation had been, you know, uh, had been laid, had been built. And so... That was now the size of the house. The footprint was bigger than it was supposed to be. So if you're building a house, you have to pretty much say, okay, well, what are we going to do to accommodate those additional whatever it was? It wasn't a large amount, but when you computed it to square footage, it was a decent amount. Say it was a foot or two deeper or maybe three feet deeper than it should have been. Point is, if you're building a house, you kind of have to stay with it, but because you've got the found, unless you want to tear out the foundation and start all over, and maybe there's a case where that made economical sense, but that wasn't the case in our situation. Anyway, point is, with the Supreme Court, if they are building things out of whack, if the foundation they've laid is taking the building in directions uh, that it shouldn't be going, that are not healthy to the republic, the court absolutely has a right to go back and say, look, this is not right. Right, so precedent matters. Precedent absolutely matters. Good precedent should be upheld, but we shouldn't be afraid of reevaluating bad precedent. And by good and bad precedent, I just simply mean which of these precedents, if there's which precedents, can you actually defend logically by interpreting the words of the Constitution and not going off into some crazy tangent, which the court did in Roe where they created, again, they created the idea of when an abortion was legal, when a state had the right to step in, trimesters, um, and certain regulations and guidance for that, and, of course, this issue of viability. Not any of that in the Constitution. So precedent matters, but precedent should never be viewed so blindly as to say whatever the court rules, no matter the logic, it should stand forever. It should be built. If you were to walk up and find the foundation of your house leaning three degrees or whatever it is, some some amount, five degrees, 20 degrees, would you continue to build upon that? I mean, surely you wouldn't. In, our, in the case of the previous home that I built, it was three feet. We did the math and said, okay, we can we can live with the additional cost or whatever, work through that. But if something's broken, if, you know, a five-degree leaning of a foundation wall, when you get up to the top of that wall, that's a significant amount of leaning. That's not structurally sound. And the idea that just because it was laid, the first, the first person to lay the brick somehow has the right to make that brick 
any direction that it wants is not is not consistent with the Constitution. Is not consistent with the role of the of the judiciary branch. Congress should determine where the where the law, where the the wall in our analogy is built. Congress should say this is the you know this is the the direction we're going to build up. This is what we're this is what the law is trying to do accomplish. This is this is the intention. This is the purpose. This is what it's designed to do. Not the court. That's not the court's job. Not the court's job at all. And so the court actually did the right thing by reevaluating this. Good pre- precedent should be upheld. Bad precedent should be stricken when it comes back up or should be reevaluated. I mean, we, there's countless examples. Well, not countless, but there's many examples of this throughout the court's history. I'm really long in this segment. Actually, truth be told, Oz is not here at the moment, so I'm flying solo. So I am uh, managing a little bit more than usual, but that's okay. Just got a little bit off the time clock here. Sit tight, my friends. Be back here in just a minute. I'm telling you, Oz is not here at the moment. And if you only knew, if you only knew what was going on here during the program behind the scenes, I'm telling you right now, you would be thoroughly entertained at the moment. (laughs) So, anyway, um, short segment here. I was long last segment trying to get it back into the, uh, the proper time frame here. So we talked about precedent, and I, I think I think now we have this great opportunity as it comes to well, Roe versus Wade. Also, we have there's another case out here um, that's pinned. Well, it's been the oral arguments have been delivered, or I guess made, or however you say that, argued in front of the Supreme Court back at the end of February. They've not released the case yet or the decision. The case is West Virginia versus the EPA. West Virginia versus the EPA. And while this is not, again, we're trying, we spend a lot of time not just on abortion, but on the role of government, particularly the role of the legislative branch, the, excuse me, the uh, judiciary branch, and the dangers, the dangers that have happened or that we, I guess, experience. Again, people talk about democracy being threatened. Nothing threatens democracy more, my friends, in our constitutional republic. The, one of the greatest threats, I shouldn't say nothing threatens it more, but one of the greatest threats is to have a group of nine justices who are unelected, who are appointed for life. They have no political accountability by design, and that's not a bad thing so long as they stay in their respective lane, so long as they are not acting politically. And the court has acted politically at multiple times throughout the years. And that's, in essence, essentially what Clarence Thomas and the other conservatives are trying to do is to say, look, let's do our job, even if it means we have to go back (laughs) and review these other cases. I mean, they just can't arbitrarily start going back. There's Cases that are brought before them that bring up these 
these precedents or previous decisions, and now they have a chance to reevaluate it. And that's why if you've, you've seen Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion, if you see people that have referenced that, you will see that Clarence Thomas specifically points out that some of these other cases need to be need to be reconsidered because of the rationale given by the court in those decisions. And so these are all good, good signs. As I've said before, I said earlier this week, the Supreme Court is actually doing more that taking more actions that should win the approval of constitutional loving Americans than I would argue federally any branch has done. I mean, you can make the case that Trump did some things that needed to be commended, regardless of what you think of Trump, but by cutting bureaucracy, remember the rule that said for every one new bureaucratic rule that was introduced, Trump was going to cut two. I mean, there were good things that came came from the Trump administration. I know people uh, who don't want to hear that won't hear that, and that's that's okay. I mean, you're right to do that, I suppose. But I think that that's that's demonstrably true. If if nothing else, the the justices the Supreme uh, that Trump nominated to the Supreme Court are helping to right the wrongs of this of this country. So having a court that has people who think it's okay to legislate from the bench. You have heard me in previous episodes. This is long ago. I've mentioned this for years. But one of the Supreme Court justices, it might have been Breyer. Actually, might have been the Souter or Breyer, actually said that the Supreme Court could cite foreign law in their decisions, which of course has nothing to do with the Constitution of the United States or with our law. And if they are related, it's in an ancillary way. We're not bound. We shouldn't be making decisions on anybody else's laws. That's what we have. Newsflash, we have our own. I mean, this is um, kind of an obvious thing. And that's why I will jokingly say we're half a step away from citing Harry Potter novels. Actually, my family and I, we're we're actually watching. I've never seen these before. Um, some of you have seen these and may have forgotten that you've even seen these, but we're watching um, a couple of us, not all of us. One of us is not real hip on watching. Uh, it's a little scary for them. They shall remain nameless. And um, But a couple of us are watching the Hunger Games series. And, I mean, I did, I did tell um, Oz that it's remarkable – Watching, so I did see the first one in the past, but watching it in the wake of COVID and what we're experiencing now regarding how people want to uh, view the role of their government, watching The Hunger Games has a whole different me- <laughs> different meaning to me today than it did when I first when I watched the first one, which was several several years ago. Anyway, but the point is, the Supreme Court has the Constitution and. U.S. laws to cite, they should be doing those things. They shouldn't just be saying, hey, I watched the part two of the Hunger Games or read one of the Harry Potter books, and I think this is a good idea, so I'm probably going to base my decision upon this. That, that, my friends, it makes it a political decision, and if people are doing those sorts of things in a court where there's no accountability and it's not their rule, not their, you know, not, it's just arbitrary, 
That is a dangerous precedent. That is actually more of a threat to democracy than virtually anything else I can think of. Democracy is at risk when the people, and again, we live in a republic, but to use their rhetoric, when the people in this country, the people that live within that democracy, in that republic, are asleep at the wheel, and they're not holding their their elected leaders accountable, and they think these things are no big deal, and they don't care if people step outside the bounds of their authority. So that's why Roe is a good, overturning Roe is good, and that's why this West Virginia versus EPA case is interesting to me as well. It's related to the same general thing that I just laid out there, the role of government, um, who should be making decisions politically, which is obviously the legislative branch, which is our bicameral legislature, Cong- well, the, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And the same people who decry that there's a war on democracy are totally cool with judicial activism. They're totally cool with executive action so far as it furthers their agenda. I say it doesn't matter if it furthers your agenda or not. What matters is adhering to the principles and concepts, foundations that our nation set forth because otherwise, my friends, we are a half a step away from becoming a banana republic where there are no rules and it's basically whoever can get something passed and done and declared, decreed to be the law of the land or the, um, well, just some edict or so forth, executive edict like Obama. Remember Obama said he had his cell phone and his pen? He didn't need Congress. Those things are more dangerous to a republic than a president saying the media is fake news. I think demonstrably so. I don't think it's even remotely close, even in the same universe. But people are more worked up over the things the media tells them to be scared of instead of these things that literally matter, systematically matter to the type of government we have. Thankfully, the court is working through this now, and uh, we're awaiting this decision on West Virginia versus the EPA. Timeout's in order. Quick time out, my friends. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So we're kind of exploring here what the court's done uh, regarding the Roe case, but also we kind of merged into another outstanding um, decision that's not been that's not been announced yet. I don't mean an outstanding. We're waiting on the the decision to be given to us. I'm not saying it's an outstanding as in wonderful decision because we're still we're still looking or waiting for that. But this West Virginia versus EPA case, I'm looking here. There's an editorial, Fox News. Liz Peake wrote it. Says this: one more blockbuster Supreme Court decision could still be coming even after Friday's abortion ruling. So again, this is I'm posting this on our show notes page, and you can read this in its entirety. But this is what she writes in this editorial. She says, believe it or not, overturning Roe v. Wade may not be the Supreme Court's most dramatic decision this year. Instead, it's ruling on West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency, which of course is the EPA, could prove far more consequential. It could literally upend how our government works. Hey, kudos, and I welcome this. I don't know how this is going to shake out, but I can tell you 
the Supreme Court is much more much more open to viewing the proper role of government as a something it should be concerned with, frankly, than it has in years past when they were creating law from the bench as they did in 1973 in the Roe decision. And she's, uh, she writes this, for the better, meaning the, the way our government works could be upended for the better. West Virginia versus the EPA, she continues, asks whether important policies that impact the lives of all Americans should be made by unelected D.C. bureaucrats or by Congress. Folks, by the way, if that is the only question at hand here, it is an absolute no-brainer. The, the founders made it very clear, as does common sense, if I might add, but having an elected representative in the U.S. House of Representatives and a couple of senators that represent your state, or initially, by the way, I feel like it's just worth noting, the senators were elected by state legislatures, I actually wish that that was never changed. And I know that there's corruption and all that. There's corruption everywhere. There's corruption at all different different levels of, of <laughs> it can happen anywhere. But I, the idea was sound, meaning that the senators were held accountable to the state legislature who had more knowledge and information about the interests of the overall state. Again, not to say absolutely the individual does matter. And that's why there were representatives. But now we have, of course... Uh, people electing directly, both senators and members of the House of Representatives. So they're held accountable, right? Congress is accountable to the people. That's why That's why they lie to us. That's why they like to campaign. That's why on these difficult issues, many people prefer to kick the can down the road because they don't want to be held accountable. They'll certainly go out and fundraise on an issue or – you know, go out into a certain, you know, when they think only a certain group of people are listening and pander to that group. But a vote actually makes you accountable. But as Liz Peake writes here, this uh, this Supreme Court could well decide that ruling by executive agency fiat is no longer acceptable. And that's the right, that is right. Again, without delving into all the details of the case, in general, that's right. We don't want an executive branch to rule by fiat, decree, edict, whatever you want to call it. You definitely don't want, we don't want the bureaucratic state, as Trump would call it, the swamp or the deep state. When we have people making rules and things that directly affect everything in your life, right? Whether you have to wear a mask on an airplane, whether you have to, I mean, take your pick, my friends. The, just the rules for what um, types of vehicles you're going to be driving, how fuel efficient they have to be, um, whether or not they can be gas-powered in a certain year. I mean, all these sorts of things the EPA is sort of taking under its umbrella, and who's to be held accountable for this? Right? You'll hear people say, well, what are we supposed to do? The, government, the government's doing what it's doing. Well, that's, I mean, by design. They, they tuck this away, and they have people that are protected and hidden and not directly accountable no one knows who they are making these decisions. And then you have politicians coming out and saying, hey, you know, that's just the ruling from the EPA. What the heck? You, you guys are supposed to be in charge. Don't, don't tell me that this is something outside of your control. And it looks like it's at least possible. I hope so. I really hope so. This would be fantastic if the court under, well, 
technically Roberts is the chief justice, but really under the leadership and influence of a Clarence Thomas or a Samuel Alito, maybe one day uh, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic, cautiously optimistic, Neil Gorsuch, right? These folks say, look, this is not what, this is not how the founders caused, created the government to work. So I'm hoping they will limit this and put this back into the lap of Congress where we can actually no longer be saying, well, what are we supposed to do about it? Because there's just people in government making rules and what are we supposed to do? That is unacceptable, my friends. And you should know it's unacceptable. And you should know if you think it's unacceptable that you're not the problem. These jokers in Washington, D.C. are the problem. If they're the bureaucrat, they're the problem. If they are the executive branch, the president who's allowing this crap to happen, they're the problem. If they are a legislator who has thrown their hands up in the air and said, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? They are the problem. This is not the way that a functioning republic, constitutional republic, is supposed to operate. It's just not. And I hope they do something about this. There's indications that, again, I'm, again, cautiously optimistic this case has not been decided yet or they haven't, let's properly frame this, they haven't released the decision, at least at the time I'm speaking these these words to you. So all that being said, timeout is in order. Come back and kind of wrap up here for the day and maybe square up uh, the one last day tomorrow that we'll go through some of these things and then we'll uh, call it a week and get back at it again next week. So sit tight, my friends. Listen to Conservative, not Better Talk. Listening to your benevolent host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. All right, my friends, not much time here. But again, remember the side that's clamoring, the the side that's telling you Trump is overthrowing our democracy and all this stuff. They are totally fine. Again, I'm I'm generalizing here. But they seem to be totally fine with these alphabet groups, CDC, whoever, right? Department of Education, whatever all these groups that are in the bureaucratic state, whatever they say, they're totally fine with us just blindly following them regardless of our input, regardless of our vote, regardless of our voice. And I'll tell you why. It's because the bureaucratic state pushes the statist and the radical leftist agenda. It does. That's where you get these transgender policies and people that you can't question. And I mean, it's just a mess. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong for saying enough of this. And I hope the Supreme Court actually does something about it as well. Timeouts in order. Sit tight, my friends. Back in just a minute. friends these things look very important these are things you won't hear a lot about in a lot of places and that's because well there's several reasons for that number one most of these media organizations chase the headline of the day which of course yesterday was that trump is on the verge of going uh, you know getting indicted and so forth and that he was complicit in trying to overthrow the nation by storming the Capitol and all this stuff. And we got 
the testimony. I don't haven't even gotten into that. Maybe we talk a little bit about that tomorrow. I don't. I don't know. But these things matter. These things matter, and we try to, again, educate, entertain, energize, and uh, folks, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Always good to be here. Thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you tomorrow. SDG.